The information presented in this program is not intended as legal, health, or nutritional advice. All topics are provided for informational purposes only and are not necessarily endorsed. Neither Light On nor its host accepts responsibility for any statements, views, or opinions presented in this episode. All rights reserved. It feels like all our heroes are coming. We all know why. Because it's painful not to pretend. The world itself is just one big hoax. Welcome to A Light On. Uh, today I'm talking to Eve Lorgan. Eve Lorgan is a dedicated counseling and hypnotherapy professional, author, and anomalous trauma researcher. She began her pioneering work with alien abductees, my labs, and mind control victims while earning her master's degree in counseling psychology in 1992. She also holds a BS in biochemistry and worked in the biotechnology industry for seven years. Eve started a support group in 1994 in San Diego County, California for experiencers of anomalous trauma and continues to consult with anomalous trauma clients worldwide today. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the show, Eve. I'm excited to talk to you about what is a, a pretty new subject for me or multiple subjects. I'm sure you, you cover a lot. Um, I first want to ask you, um, it's, I, I'm guessing that you started off as sort of like a mainstream psychologist type of person or were you always into this how did you how did you get down this path i think i was probably always always had an interest in um actually it was like ufos and ets and um really um psychology although i started out as a as a scientist and thought that i would do medicine and then i changed my mind after i was in the biotech field and actually got poisoned on the job and um and I wanted to have children, so I wanted to have my body clean. So I decided to to change my focus because my interest is really more into the spiritual and the psychological and the woo-woo, the woo-woo world, so to speak. <laughs> so I ended up getting a master's in counseling psychology with emphasis on marriage and family counseling and trauma, and then got hypnotherapy certifications to work more deeply with people in a way that I wanted to investigate to help. Uh, especially, quote, alien abductions was really my primary interest to find out more and to also discover my own experiences in my own family history. So that's really what started it all. So you're, that, you were just essentially interested in alien abductions? Yes, and aliens and ETs, and are they really here visiting? And if they are, then how do they interact? And And then I found out probably more than what I thought to be true. And so it changed my worldview, really. Um, so so skeptical, would you say, before? I don't know if I was, I think I might have been overly open-minded towards, let's say, the benevolent space brother channeled ET information, which was really how I was kind of introduced to it, uh, even like a long time ago. Yeah. And then um, realizing that with the family history of knowing that I had experiences, but they were blocked with amnesia and there was like PTSD and, and a lot of fear. And um, so it, it was like a dichotomy between wanting to believe that there's this good thing going on with these benevolent beings and they must, must be good. They must be here for my spiritual involvement, whatever. And then this hidden trauma in the background that had its roots in alien abduction and also classic family, um, you know, codependency, narcissistic abuse, adult, I'm a child of an alcoholic. So 
all those things were combined. But to make a long story short, I have come to know that there is a connection between all these kinds of trauma and certain what I call occult dark spiritual forces through certain bloodlines. And let's say the darker aliens who are, let's say, connected with the Illuminati or the Luciferian aspect, that there's a connection between all of that and trauma in such a way that it maintains a type of unrecovered uh, trauma and dissociation in the people who are having constant experiences. And so what I learned um, was that whenever there is unrecovered trauma, especially from early childhood, regardless of its source, um, it keeps us from being able to perceive clearly and also to have the power to overcome these forces that are, you know, at us a lot. So it takes like recovery of trauma in the standard psychological way without the weird woo-woo and then also understanding the additional factors that have come on board, whether we want to believe it or not, that have to do with like uh, Illuminati, Luciferian stuff, uh, malevolent aliens, demons, and even satanic ritual abuse and MKUltra. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So all that I had to learn and like the secret space program, the military abductions that are working alongside alien abductions and trying to figure out, well, what's what? Because it wasn't a black and white picture. So that that was really my my journey. And it wasn't something I really had intended on with the books that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the books that I wrote had more to do with how I saw, wait a minute, like if I worked with these abductees. I'll call them abductees. That's the old word we used to use. Now they call them experiencers or contactees. But in reality, if if these beings are taking us without our permission from early childhood, and we have no way of defending or being conscious of it or with our permission, this is not a, a willful consent. This is a type of abduction, which is, um, well, if they don't ask your permission and they do it anyway, and you get traumatized, I would I question the uh, benevolence. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of, um, I'll, just, I'll just call it Stockholm syndrome programming going on with people who have consistent experiences because it's very, very hard to process. And it's also hard to get to, for people to believe you for number one. But right. once, let's say, you know, you've had experiences and you want to meet with others and connect, there's there's almost like a culty peer pressure kind of groupy thing where certain popular groups who get well in the old days they they were the ones who got more open talks on conferences or radio shows or sold books or became famous sometimes they were touting a a storyline that was promoting a, a channeling type of narrative or a narrative that i came to understand later was part of a we're just going to call it the illuminati control system agenda and so those who work through that. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, they get pushed to the so, forefront of the news. Yeah. 
yeah, go ahead. Cause I don't want to rattle on in a way that no, no, you're, it, you're totally fine. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. So that's really interesting because the, the, the thing that's hard about this subject is, and I think I have a lot of skeptical viewers um, because we, we hear this one narrative, like from the government and, and all that stuff. And I mean, in the news lately, we saw the Mexican aliens, which everybody is just like, it's a complete joke to everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and I want to get your opinion on that as well. But, um, but yeah, so I, I'd like to know more about like what you saw being pushed to the, to the forefront of the, and do you think those people were like controlled or how were they, how did they get up there? Yeah. I mean, we found this out even early on, um, even in, in the nineties, um, discovered later that there were people who well, said they were, um, contactees, abductees, and they were out promoting a lot of like the light worker, new agey kind of themes of, you know, ET light beings helping to heal us, making, you know, evolving our spirit, helping us ascend, whatever the storyline is. And then finding out that that person over time, um, you know, was an MK ultra survivor. It, it included some alien abductions and they were maybe being utilized without their knowledge to carry out this particular narrative. So if, if people do the deep recovery work and actually find out if there's dissociative identity disorder or or any kind of complex trauma, they may come to realize later when when we recover from trauma, it sometimes it takes many years, but a greater clarity and a greater calmness happens with someone and maybe more open-mindedness, but um, less black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. So when someone is recovered from trauma, they may take a different view than maybe what they did before they, they learned a lot about what was really going on in their life. So for example, I'll just say that many of my clients who come in with, you know, they think they have an alien love by orchestrated, manipulated relationship, and they may have alien abductions in their history, or it could be a dark side of Cupid, a spiritual psychic vampire with a weird paranormal stuff and the narcissistic abuse on steroids with like supernatural demonic stuff, because I get a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I remember where I'm going with this, but it takes time to uh, recover. That is actually the, the waking up that if they did their shadow work and their personal recovery and self-inquiry, their spiritual work, whatever, they may find out that they've had a hidden history of MKUltra, ritual abuse, alien abduction, or deep abuse from age zero to six um, with certain spiritual, what I'm going to call demonic occult elements in the family system. And so I'm finding that there's connections between all of these and many of these people's experiences when they've had the the more horrendous, you know, uh, ritual abuse, narcissistic abuse or MKUltra and the the alien abductions that have more of a, you know, a traumatic, controlling, manipulative way. So it depends on the beings that are taking them. So sometimes they play good cop, bad cop also. And we've noticed this in the alien visitation community. There would be like someone who is having, let's say, malevolent alien stuff. And then they might have the next abductions where there's like a good alien giving them downloads. And they, well, they've got the good ETs helping them from the bad ETs. And it just turns into this like weird drama. Yeah. Um, or um, people who've had genuine alien abductions. And then the military human element comes and abducts them or interrogates them later about their 
alien experiences and then co-ops them in some way that they're now in some kind of weird black project, mm-hmm. either experimented on for different ways or try to be utilized as a super soldier. So there's a lot of that stuff. So it's not cut and dry at all. We That's what I do in my work is that we work to discover whatever things are going on in their lives now and what happened before that could really help explain and well recover from whatever's going on because you know knowing about it is not enough you really have to do the quote the work Mm -hmm. shadow work and the psychological education and that that's the part a lot of people don't want to they just don't want to go there and i think um i mean i'm just giving you my opinion as a therapist and someone who's had to recover from her own trauma Mm -hmm. that in the beginning let's say before i was truly knew how much trauma was really there and how much I was like basically acting out codependent, you know, <laughs> you know, that that's the real deal. And then I wanted to know what happened. Let's say, Oh, I'll just get a hypnotic regression and I'll just do this and find out what happened during all those abductions that I know there's missing time. And I know that happened to me so I could just find out my story. And if I find out my story, I could recover my identity and, and tell my story and, you know, feel a sense of, uh, like it's the problems over with, but just to know what happened or to remember and get the bells and whistles out of the experiences to tell someone to be accepted in this peer group of quote contactees, that's the wrong approach. The approach needs to be, I, I'm going to recover from whatever trauma I have with what's happening now and um, discover what's available to, to my, me by my spirit or by the Holy Spirit and to keep working in ways where we we come to a different value system. People will value the bells and whistles of a dramatic story to tell online or on YouTube. And then they get their, you know, then they have clients to do psychic readings or they're an astrologer. And then it's like, that's not, that's not true recovery in my view as a therapist. Sometimes our whole idea of what we think we should do or be completely changes when we go through real trauma recovery. And it means like being real with like how you feel and what you believe and what's really going on in your life and what really happened before. And can we face it? And can we face things that are not so pleasant, you know? Yeah. So it's a dark side to it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I have noticed like a lot of uh, trauma connected to people who have had experiences. Like I had Zeph Daniels on the show. Um, he was on Coast to Coast back in the day. I don't know if you know. I remember him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's he spoke about how he saw he had a gray alien visitation. Uh, and he said he immediately thought of an abuse situation. Like an abuse situation came up like during the sighting. And he said he felt like the the alien looked right through him and he had like took all his power away. I thought that was so interesting. Oh. Um, how do you think that sort of thing translates? And also wanted to ask you, like, how did it translate to codependency for you? Yeah, you know what, Zef Daniels, if I remember correctly, he was a satanic ritual abuse survivor and also a whistleblower, yeah. which um, it tells you a lot because um, they're the kinds of people who actually know the deeper underbelly and can recognize that signature uh, and then know that actually there's a connection with some of these aliens and these human groups, right? So what I've heard, this is what happened to other abductees that I know personally. Um, One of them is in my book. Uh, It was a woman who had not only the military and the alien greys, but also primarily reptilian. 
and reptilian military collusions. They're working together to put people in projects to do things. And uh, what the aliens would do, the reptilians in particular, they would deliberately, it was almost like they could scan the, the memories and the trauma inside you to re-trigger it, sometimes to re-traumatize you. And then, um, you know, sometimes it's a sexual assault energy uh, vampirism or like a psychic rape. And they'll do that on purpose to re-traumatize them. They, they actually look into the memories of the person and then they'll want to re-traumatize them where they see there's trauma. It's, it's a weird thing, but I've heard that from others. Um, and sometimes aliens in and of themselves, depending on the group, like the greys in particular seem to have a strong interest in um, the emotional experience sometimes sexual emotional experiences, but strong emotions. And they may create and orchestrate these dramas as if they're either studying or feeding off of it, as if it's something that they don't have naturally or they lost. So, um, but the re-traumatization um, in people who've had MK Ultra or satanic ritual abuse histories, which many MK Ultra people do have SRA backgrounds, by the way, that's sometimes the foundation from which they take them a step further for the military or whatever organization is handling and using them. It's it's amazing. Um, but the re-traumatization and let's say you live in a family system where it's just like chaotic and there's like a narcissist and there's an alcoholic and abuser and a pedophile and a friggin whatever. Um, that constant chaos and drama serves a purpose or the dark ones who would want to utilize a particular person, whether they're an abductee or a you know, super soldier or whatever, it, it maintains the dissociation and reinforces the programming of the powerlessness for the person to wake up and take charge of their own life. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about codependency, um, that was the term, gosh, way back in the like late 80s and 90s, it was a big thing. And even when I got my master's, I didn't fully grasp the complexity and comprehensiveness of what codependency really is. And only now there's uh, professionals who have come to understand what they call complex PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, but complicated because it's a pervasive early childhood all the way up until whatever adulthood. So it, it Basically, complex trauma and complex PTSD is a whole new thing that they're getting an understanding of, but it connects to codependency and narcissistic personality disorder and trauma and addictions. So all these things are actually connected based on the earliest traumas and the pervasive nature of a life of trauma. And this is like, you know, dysfunctional family crap, or it could be like a life of, you know, being abducted by aliens, or you're in one of these like friggin' my lab secret space programs, and they take you from childhood. Most of the time, they take you from childhood before age six, or they they have it so that they, um, in order to, I know I'm going off on a thing, but no, no, uh, most people don't understand the nature of, let's say, complex trauma and dissociation and the different. Uh, I guess, a range of dissociative patterns and behaviors. But in the traditional satanic ritual abuse uh, families that go back thousands of years, so they may have been like the ball worshipers or the Satan worshipers or the ones who made blood sacrifices to these false gods who feed on adrenochrome, blood, human energy, whatever. <laughs> 
Um, they have been doing this to their own families for thousands of years, and they have this down to an occult science because it makes people good slaves and it can access their, their spiritual power. So this is why they have to do it from childhood. They can create like a, a really good super soldier, but they have to do this trauma in a certain way by age six, usually, or age seven. And so most of the people who've had who are like these super soldier people and these secret space programs uh, or MK Ultra people, they were that from childhood. But a lot of times they don't discover it until they're like adults, way into adulthood. They, don't, they didn't even realize, oh, my God, I was in a program and I was traumatized and I forgot it all. So that's what I'm finding out is the, the love bite relationship and the narcissistic abuse pattern that it actually wakes them up to something that happened earlier, much earlier. So it's a lot so of exploiting, right? Exploiting. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. These people who are sort of born into it, how pervasive is that? Would you say in like Hollywood and, and do you, do you find it in, in certain industries more than others? That's a good question. Um, I think it's definitely in the entertainment industry and it's very um, pronounced. Um, Cause I know people who, who were talented and didn't want to play ball with their little games. So they, they never got, um, you know, singing gigs or whatever. And they were like some of the most talented people in the world are rejected by Hollywood mm. and rejected by the system that is like an Illuminati controlled entertainment industry. But there are other industries this is probably something that I'm, maybe even Zeph Daniels might have talked about it, or the John Todd, or you know Jesse Zaboder, um, some of these people who had come out like Kathy O'Brien, I believe, Susan Ford, Arizona Wilder, David Icke. I mean, there, there's a slew of people who have come out and realized, wait a minute, okay, there's a, there's this elite control system that's working with higher level non-human what I'm calling demonic or fallen angels, or some of them are different kinds of beings that basically have a malevolent authoritarian controlling agenda. Mm -hmm. And then they work through certain elite families. And so those elite families basically control the narratives of different sectors of society, like science and medicine, education, politics, religion, entertainment, um, to make us so that we believe and fall into their narratives of control so that they can keep everybody handled and controlled. So, it is controlled at the very, very top through many different sectors of society. So what I believe is happening, like people in high level government, high level medicine, you know, it, well, we know that from 2020 and all that is it's basically revealing itself. Yeah. But it's the I think Jesse Zaboter uses the term hierarchy system families. That's right. another way of saying the Illuminati bloodline families or the satanic hierarchy or luciferian ones but basically there's certain high level family systems that are connected to these non-human beings they might be hybrids of let's say the line of cain or with the fallen angels there's many different ways of viewing it but they're the ones that that control the others but they mind control all their family members mostly mm -hmm. unless they they they're willing to do this without being traumatized and they're just playing ball then they may not be, what do you call it, the MPD, DID, trauma, ritual abuse platform of a human being. Mm -hmm. That's what they do to their own people. So a lot of the survivors have come out. They were from family systems that were like, had high level peoples in positions of control of, you know, government and politics and all kinds of stuff.
So they're basically the, what would they call it? When you defect and you run away and you're like, I don't want to be part of this family system anymore. And so they, they become, some become Christians. Some of them, you know, do other things to, to escape and to heal. But now that we know that, you know, it's like the discernment factor for, let's say the normies in the world who had no idea this was going on. Like back, my first introduction to someone who was a, I guess, a ritual abuse survivor with multiple personality disorder, um, but I just would call her a SRA survivor, was in 1989. That was like a very long time ago. And she admitted to being part, you know, worked for the CIA also. So alphabet soup agencies could employ these people to do jobs or, you know, connect them in different ways. So she was the one who actually told me, it was a kind of a funny, like embarrassing thing that happened, but this was years ago. This was when Bud Hopkins, who's a famous alien abduction researcher who had written books and he was an artist. He's actually from New York, but he worked with many cases. Um, so he was very famous at the time. And so he actually came and visited like and did a lecture in San Diego County. And I went to it and I, I told her, hey, you know, Bud Hops, is, he's going to be doing this, you know, whatever lecture on alien abductions. And so I just told her about it and said, yeah, you should go, you know. And this was before when I met her, she was in like one personality, like one that was a little more normal. <laughs> yeah. So she found out about it and she she went to the Bud Hopkins lecture. But when she came, it was like the altar, right? It was altar personality. And she was dressed kind of like a like a schoolgirl with piggy tails, like what a this is what they do for, let's say, a teenager girl, like the pedophiles. They'll want to do fantasies with like the little girl who's dressed like the teenager with the piggy tails. And then she's going to play like, um, you know, whatever sex games, yeah. pedophile type of duos, because yeah. a lot of them, they want that. They want to play out those fantasy scenarios. So I don't know. She she showed up looking like, you know, one of these like dressed up sex alter little girl in a piggy tails, <laughs> but she embarrassed, like it was actually funny. She embarrassed the whole crowd. She embarrassed me <laughs> and Bud Hopkins, but she was, she basically blurted out and said, what do you think about the people who are, who are being abducted and sexually abused and satanic ritually abused and not being, you know, taken back and da, 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 da. And she just like went on a rant, like, guess what? You know, the aliens are connected with satanic ritual abuse, by the way. But in those days, people didn't want to make those connections at all. Like, oh, no, this is something different. We're not connected to that. Well, they're there, you know, but there really is a connection. But anyway, I mean, that happened as, as long ago when even in the psychology circles, when the DSM-4 came out, um, they were still trying to figure out whether or not multiple personality disorder was even real. Like, come on, who the hell is controlling them? Like, oh. this is real and it's very real and it's systematically done on purpose in a structured way to create um, multiple personality disorder and super soldiers and people with a, a whole bunch of skills that normies wouldn't be able to do. Right. Okay. So this is what normies need to know. They need to know that there has been a controlling elite and, and this is what they do to their own family members and certain other members through military to create super soldiers and mind controlled people to carry out their agendas. So we need to know how to, to recognize this so that we can heal and recover for, from it so that those operatives who are unrecovered aren't going around, you know, doing what they do.
I know a super soldier, though. He said he might come on the show, but he's very timid. Like, yeah, but he's got some interesting stories. I think that that, that stuff sure is real. Um, mm-hmm. But mentioning, <laughs> speaking of, of, of pigtails, uh, what do you think is going on with uh, Britney Spears? I had to ask because I just got that <laughs> pop into my head. Well, I think it, I don't know if she went public about that, but I believe that she was fighting against the programming and the programmers and the handlers. And a lot of people in the entertainment industry have been afflicted with that. And um, that's, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I heard that about Michael Jackson and uh, a lot of famous people and in singers as well as actors. So um, usually it shows itself. I mean, when, if you could recognize complex trauma and the MPD dissociative disorder qualities and you know what you could just see it you could see it after a while yeah yeah she is not at home like i don't i mean some people don't even think she's there some people think that she's been replaced by cgi or ai or something i don't know but whatever it is it's not it, the lights aren't aren't all there um so yeah it's uh it's pretty sad to watch um and yeah you made a good point about how um you know this is such a like a hierarchy uh, yeah. especially like hospitals and stuff, because people are still so skeptical, you know, oh, how could they do this in hospitals? How does this all work? But it's so compartmentalized. Yes. You know, people don't and, and people don't understand that the, the the top echelons of all of these industries, corporations, hospitals, Hollywood, what, what have you, uh, are all, you know, trickling down and they're all they're all controlling or connected to the level below them. Um, and a lot of them are just followers. So they follow instructions, you know, here are the protocols, do this. And they don't ever question it. They think it's normal, you know, because it's so outside their wheelhouse a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to to mention that. Um, but so talk to me about um, this love bite relationship thing. I think a lot of people will be interested in this. I live in New York City, which is the oh. capital of uh personality disorders. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god. I've definitely had some encounters that I question now more than ever. Uh I don't know if if I could say I think maybe more like short-term things that have been weirder for me, but mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe you can tell me about how this usually works. Yeah, I mean, well the book, I'm going to show it real quick and that's the original book called The Love Bite. And this was just about the, quote, alien abductees, some of them in my labs, uh, or what they now, they just call them secret space program people. But, you know, in my lab, it might be different than an SSP who doesn't have the alien thing. But anyway, so what I found out is how um, when people got together in the support groups and we were just talking about our life and like the weird things that happened that we felt were, oh, the anecdotal you know, I didn't hear that with the Bud Hopkins or with John Mack or with, you know, uh, Arizona Wilder or, you know, whoever the people are who are like um, whistleblowers for mind control or this or that. But it was compartmentalized. So we discovered over time a lot of the other unusual things that happened in our lives that we knew, oh, this they orchestrated my relationship. They set me up with someone and pre-bonded me in an abduction, uh, whether they take you physically or astrally out of the body, they connect you with others who are also probably in programs, depending on how they're using them. And then these people meet later and there's this whole love obsession drama that takes place with a certain 
a certain signature. And this is what I learned by actually from Barbara Bartholik, who is now passed away, as well as Dr. Carla Turner. And it was Dr. Carla Turner's work that was like, man, her stuff is absolutely right on. I get to, I need to know Barbie. I need to find out more. And so we did the deep dive and found out, oh my God, there's all these people who had these like alien orchestrated relationships. And then it was all this high drama, weird stuff. And then maybe one person got switched off, like suddenly like mind controlled, like after an abduction, they, they suddenly didn't have feelings for that person before. And then we were able to connect it with abductions that occurred, and then they had the switching off. So basically, I, I ended up talking to a lot of people and getting many case histories that definitely there's something going on that interferes with our ability or what who we meet, who we marry, who we connect with. So this alien agenda has been working for probably longer than we know. Uh, putting people together here though because a lot of people will, will be like okay well how do you know it's like aliens how do you know it's dark beings doing this and it's not just you know what's yeah. the connector point well that's what i talk about in the love bite and my second book called the dark side of cupid where there's the energy vampirism quality is more prominent and not necessarily solid alien abduction histories but in the, in the love bite i say well you know if you've experienced you know more than one UFO sighting, uh, missing time with the UFO sightings, alien visitation, missing time at night or in the daytime, and multiple uh, visitations and weird health issues and implants and, you know, seeing people on the craft that you you saw in your support group or having a hybrid baby being shown to you and, um, you know, having the missing pregnancies and they'll do this over and over again, make you get pregnant and then they take it. <laughs> so there's a lot of... Uh, signatures of an alien interference through the abduction i don't know symptoms and so when i when people actually want to do consultations and sessions i have two questionnaires that i use one of them is is really just for the alien abduction my lab um and that has a lot of specific questions related to what happens when people are taken and certain other things and i got that to questionnaire from Dr. Corrado Malanga of Italy, who's like PhD, organic chemistry, who did like 30 years research with alien abductions and hypnotic regression. So his research is solid and he's a solid scientist who knows what he's doing and what questions to ask. So it's not all subjective. So that's why I use that questionnaire as opposed to some people, well, they ask stupid questions like, do you believe you're not from here? And like, we need to know more than what you believe in a subjective thing. There, There is, like you could find out in someone's history just by asking certain questions. So when I do my questionnaires, I have one that's basically for alien abductions where I could tell by the way they fill it out if they've had it or not. And then one that's for anomalous trauma, which asks some other basic questions, which a lot of it is uncomfortable, like um, a family history, a father, grandfather, or a spouse who's in an alphabet soup agency, military industrial complex company under, you know, like a security clearance or, um, you know, Freemason, occult, black magician. There's a whole bunch of like Knights of Malta. There's odd fellows in Scandinavia. And then there's the York right. There's the Scottish right. There's, there's different ones in different family systems in different countries. So if there's an involvement on that level, that tells me that they can have, I don't even know if I'm answering your question. I'm probably going off on another tangent, mm -hmm. but 
there's signs that I look for. I'm like, okay, now I see why this is happening to you. And I see that you think it's this, but when we answer this questionnaire, I'm like, it's not just this, it's this, this, and this. With a set of symptoms, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you were to like the same way they diagnose, uh, you know, the flu or pneumonia or whatever, but it's a certain criteria, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're not all faking it. I mean, I have met people who, um, they're like drama queens, for example. And, um, but sometimes they're that way because it's their programming and they have had trauma and they may have been taken, but the people who want all the attention, like the, I don't know what you want to call them. They're the, their problems. And they do infiltrate the community to try to spin certain narratives. Some people do and to create fights and divisiveness. And a lot of times they are they're operatives because they still haven't fully recovered. You know what I'm saying? Like the truth movement and stuff. Yes, very much so. And they'll, they'll call it, oh, you know, who's the next controlled opposition? Da, 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 da. And like it goes on and on and on these stupid fights where like someone comes out, they get their two years of fame. And then all of a sudden they're like slammed with, you know, all kinds of exposés. And it's, it's really since COVID, it's been uh, just intense in terms of, you know, the people talking, they're getting out there, they think, you know, they're on the truth train, the truthers. And then before you know it, they're like, oh my God, there's another agent. There's an unrecovered MK Ultra hierarchy system family there. They've got hidden abductions. And me and James Bartley, you got to interview him. We used to call him like in the old days, because we talked about this stuff all the time. And we knew like, wait a minute, if you got this in your family history, like closet abductee, you know how like, like closet queen, remember in the old days, like if someone's gay and they're not like, they didn't fully come out and they're, they're kind of acting out their whatever, but they're like, Hey, it's a closet closet queen well there's closet abductees they really don't know or haven't investigated fully and done any kind of recovery work but they're obsessed or compelled to follow certain research streams or you know to start up conferences or to do whatever a lot of times they're they're the ones that they're driven from their own unrecovered experiences or traumas or they might even be doing the bidding of what the program is like one of their altars mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, certain, though, because there, there are certain like individuals in the, you know, push to the forefront of the truth movements who are, you know, I mean, I've looked into a lot of them myself and there's some pretty sketchy people who are connected to sketchy organizations or what have you. So, it, I mean, it's hard, but yeah, like I, I agree. I think we, you should be very careful with your discernment there and it can be divisive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's sad because, um, so we we noticed this years ago, James Bartley and I, we we did a group together. We'd, we'd done a lot of joint research when we both lived in San Diego County. Um, I'm trying to think, but he would be able to pick up on um, the ones who were like the military. <laughs> I don't know. There was always like a military alphabet soup agency quality where he knew they were like plants in the UFO community to do something. And he was able to catch them. You know, and so whenever someone, let's say, comes out and tells the truth about something, they really don't want us to know. And I'll give you an example. Like uh, in the old days, um, there was a woman named Leah Haley, who was a classic alien abductee who went public and wrote some of her own books in the 90s, late 90s. And then there was military involvement and MK, probably I don't know if there was MK Ultra, but as people and Carla Turner 
for example, she brought up, wait a minute, there are aliens and there are abductions and there's a, you know, hybrid breeding program, medical, what they do, but there's this other stuff that's a definite collusion with certain military boots on the ground, alphabet soup agency, you know, Lockheed or some of these military NASA Mm -hmm. families where there's involvement and those people, those humans who are running these projects under a lot of cover, they don't want that out, right? They want, oh, it's all aliens or it's all mind control or it's all demons So because they always have to control it with this black and white crap. And then they create division and chaos so that people are fighting with one another and like name calling. And, and they did this in the, I noticed this in the early days, me and James actually, when people who weren't fully recovered from their satanic ritual abuse and mk ultra but they knew enough to say hey i'm a survivor i'm from a family who's a cia cult connected da 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 but then they're in the community and then they turn around and use they badmouth people and create division and chaos and problems and um i've seen this over and over and over again um and there's no need for us to do that and if we really wanted to work on just recovering from our trauma and doing the best we can, then we'll know, we'll be able to see, mm-hmm. you know, what the truth is. But there's so much out there, like the more darker truths that emerge that are really are true, you can bet that on the tail end of that, there's going to be a disruptor. Mm-hmm. So back to James Bartley, um, he and I co-authored a, you know, the, the, the disruptors in the UFO paranormal community. And that's what we called it then. Now you'd call it truther community, but Sometimes truthers don't know about the aliens and the MK Ultra and all this other stuff. So, um, but there are disruptors, and that that's just what they're doing uh, constantly. They're just doing it constantly. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know it's a fine line between you know calling them out and not causing division. It's like I think it's about knowing when to when to do what, right? And I and I think I watched something with you and uh, and James, and I. I definitely disagree with him on a lot of his points, <laughs> but I mean, he makes good points. Like, you know, you shouldn't okay, yeah. the baby out with the bathwater and on things. And, and um, like, I think we have a tendency to do that, but he did mention some people who are like totally <laughs> pretty well-known like ops in my, in my opinion. Um, but you know, everybody has, everybody has their own, their own opinions. So it, it can be hard to, to kind of uh, decipher and discern. Um, what speaking of that what do you think of figures like you know um Stephen Greer like he's one that I I don't trust and Bob Lazar I've always trusted but uh he seems very credible to me but I could be wrong what do you think about people like that interesting cuz uh, I know that Bob Lazar got a lot of shit right and this was way back in the early days when he first came out but I knew someone this is really interesting I knew someone that knew him, if I remember correctly, and it was Mark McCandlish. And he was someone who was, I don't know, he's a genius. And he did a lot of drawings of UFO spacecraft. I think that he witnessed maybe in some of the same places that Bob Lazar worked. And I think they knew each other. But how I knew about Mark McCandlish was I knew his ex-wife who lived in my neighborhood in Fallbrook. And she met him when her dad worked for JPL. So I think Mark McCandlish also worked with JPL or knew like some of the families who came out of that. And so they find out a lot of secrets and stuff. But um, he he was going to do a, a witness testimony for some kind of UFO disclosure 
well, it's probably been maybe two years ago now. I don't know. And it was a serious, credible um, whistle, whatever he's going to do, whistleblowing. But then he was killed off through a alleged suicide. Mm. But I knew it wasn't. Uh, in fact, whenever his ex-wife and she was always friends with him. So what would happen? You know, she would go to my house for our support groups because we were in the same neighborhood. <laughs> And then afterwards, like he would call her on the phone from a from a pay phone and she would tell him all about this abduction stuff. And he was interested because he knew that was real. So they they were they were still chatting back and forth, even though they were divorced. But uh, they did. I believe they killed him off and they killed her off, too, because she died the lot within the past year. Yeah. So what I see is that when there are real whistleblowers, um, they, they get taken out or they get um, harassed. And they they basically try to get rid of the ones who would be credible witnesses to this, or or at least witness to aspects that they really don't want out. Like certain families are involved, certain companies like GPL or NASA or Lockheed, or so they they get rid of people and then they work to you know expose them and badmouth them. So uh, I know that happens, and I I know this stuff is real. So I wouldn't say that his stuff was false. I think his stuff was true. And that's why they offed him. And there's a lot of good exposés that Stephen Greer has done, but it's cherry picked data. Right. And, and this, this happened long before he got super duper famous because he was doing this when Barbara Bartholik was even doing uh, lectures before we had the internet or right during or before, you know, right when it was starting out. And, you know, he basically said made made people try to believe that there was no such thing as reptilians or negative ets so that if there was abductions well it's all the bad human military and this is this is actually a a theme that aliens will do to cause us to you know look elsewhere no it's not us it's them and so they cherry pick it so that no well it's all military but it's not all military and it's not all humans and it's not all just human quote illuminati families there really are alien beings and et beings so um but i think that this is a hard nut to swallow Mm -hmm. but i've seen this and i learned this from dr carado malanga who made it more clear when he investigated alien abductees in many hypnotic regressions but he did it in a certain way that uh, i guess you could call it neuro-linguistic programming certain types of guided hypnotherapy where you would find out uh, what the aliens are really doing to someone and how they would insert themselves like a, like a flash drive consciousness energy inside the quote, the brain or the mind spirit soul of the person. And then they would live their agenda, their memories, their whatever through that human who has been basically abducted since childhood. So he found out a way, like if you really don't want to be abducted anymore and get sick and tired of this shit, there's ways you can, you know, connect with your higher self, eternal spirit, and use that power and awareness to remove the alien implants and the entities and their programming that they'll insert in you. And so they can make it so that you have past life memories of all the hosts that they had. So this creates a great confusion for people who think maybe they have past life memories as an alien or other memories. And it's actually part of a memory chip flash drive alien consciousness that's been embedded in them to carry for the aliens. So it gets weird, but 
the important thing that I think he found out and said blatantly was that, you know, the problem with these aliens is they're able to take away our, our free will of our spirit. They can take, they could, I don't know how to say it. They could overlay a false trust in them that they're not dangerous mm-hmm. by um, taking over your will and using your eternal spirit as a battery to feed off of so they work through us. And so they could take away this, what I'm calling it, there's a name, we worked in support groups with this because we want to refine and build our power of our eternal spirit wisdom and awareness. So when something has a tendency to take the will away of someone's eternal spirit, that's a problem. Yeah. That that's a technique that we don't want. So the recovery to recover your own true power and be on board with your quote eternal spirit is to remove out the alien crap and to reconnect. But sometimes that means uh, recovering from trauma and dissociation because when we still have split off parts, we're not fully in our power to actually really connect more fully and powerfully like with God, let's say. So this is where, this is how they disempower people by traumatizing them, creating an incoherence between the mind, spirit, soul in the body so that we don't have a direct connect of communication and intuitive awareness of our eternal spirit that knows all truth. And this would be if we're connected with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to call it that, or the eternal wisdom of the Tao of goodness. And I'm saying essential goodness. That's heart, love connected. Right. That's where we need to be to get the discernment so that they can't take over our will so easily. And they are taking over people's will without people really knowing what I call the spiritual warfare danger of how they do this. And this is a very unpopular thing I'm saying here. And I don't like to say it, but that's why I'm doing what I'm doing so that people can recover their true power and know what is their original identity, not the identity that they want to promote through their personality and their what they're identifying with. So, because a lot of it is about drama and um, over-identifying with something else instead of their true being. Mm-hmm. And so, if somebody's being connected with another individual um what are the best ways to kind of operate there how do you you know what are the what are the tips you have for uh identifying and um you know kind of handling that that situation and i think like i'm assuming it's a problem too that people will then start to think everybody is um you know, some kind of demonic force. So what is, what's that's the not, line? That's dangerous. Yeah. In fact, there, there are dangerous views. If it hasn't, isn't handled with, um, let's say wisdom and generosity and kindness and compassion. And this is where it's like, if we focus on only what the evil is out there and all the harm they want to do and blah, pretty soon that attitude generates more fear and powerlessness and hopelessness and actually takes away our true power even if what they say is quote bad is true so this is where we have to address this in a way where we know there is a higher power of goodness that we can connect with 
and that we can have faith in to help us heal and to give us discernment if there's a weird woo-woo thing going on, let's say in a romantic relationship that you think might be a setup or a... So there are ways to recognize that. And so, for there example... Are physical signs? Um, you know, I have a really weird situation are. with that. Yeah? I don't know. Maybe it's stupid, but I, I went out with this girl... And she had uh, she had this square ring. It was like a checkerboard. Mm. It was like straight up uh, like uh, Masonic checkerboard. And <laughs> like, right right off the bat, I didn't. I got red flags on her in multiple different ways. And I'm like, I actually asked her. To, I took a picture of the ring and I sent it to my friend. And he was like, "Run!" <laughs> but I don't know if I was just being crazy um or if there are certain signs like that because she actually ended up like we had a pretty good date and then she flipped totally flipped 180 on me like turned into a horrible person 180 oh well the whole yeah. 180 thing that is yeah. like that's like classic for um we noticed this years ago we're like uh-oh did they do the 180 on you i'm like yeah what the fuck is that about and a lot <laughs> of times it was uh, like sometimes there's forces that work to target people to prevent them from, um, let's say, being present at a conference or meeting a therapist or a friend that they can share information and get learn more. So that there's sometimes things get in the way where um, then they'll set you up with someone or create a condition so that you don't speak or be with the people that would be better for you. Mm. So they want to put a lid on um, certain truths coming out. So they might set you up with someone. It's okay. But if she's you know, maybe she's manipulated and then she, they did the 180, which means, you know, the demon or whatever got to her and basically, you know, go the other way and, and a switching off. But it depends. Like sometimes that happens with early dating where you, you meet someone, they seem, they seem fine, you know, and then the next months or whatever, how long it is, you, you realize that this personality is like, whoa, bad, you mm -hmm. know, and they're going to do the gray rock and be like, oh, okay catch you later like forever guy bye <laughs> so sometimes that happens with us normies who pick up like wow that person seemed okay but like man they're fucking i don't know about them you know <laughs> so yeah but you know this whole checkerboard square i forgot i wanted to bring this up on a show with james but we know that there's that whole luciferian you know eyes wide shut you know maybe some of the early masonic lodge floors might have had the black and white checkerboard square and the super wealthy families, you know, you see these in like the mansions in Europe and stuff. But uh, there was a, I don't know if you could interview him. He, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. His name is Truman Cash. And he actually became quite famous for his books and his exposés about what he discovered in his own alien abduction history and past life connections. And then he was on the Avalon Forum for a while where he did an expose called the, uh, the Eye of Ra, I think. And another one that connected like an ancient Egyptian hosted Pharaoh who was like one of these evil Elohim Anunnaki reptilian types that would basically control the populations and, and invite them on the craft. And I think if I remember correctly, um, he saw the checkerboard square inside a, a UFO, a classic UFO, but it was from like another lifetime thing. It was really weird. But it told him that like whoever these high level beings who controlled like the pharaohs, they would come in their craft and they I think they they called it the sun god because it was like a 
I don't know, reflected the sun. And there's something about the whole sun worship thing that goes back to these beings who are really actually aliens. But the checkerboard square floor was in the craft of what he observed in his experience. And then he knew, well, that's totally connected to the Illuminati. And these beings who, you know, manipulated the pharaohs and a lot of other, the kings and queens throughout royalty, they're connected to the same beings and have the same symbols. So, you know, when you see the Masonic, you know, symbol or like, you know, what do they do? I don't even want to do it. You know how the entertainers do that whole stupid shit. And it's like, well, that's a sign. <laughs> you know? Right. So um, I think, you know, this goes back very, very far. And this is why he didn't go public very much because he got harassed a lot because these light worker people wouldn't want you to know that, you know, this has been going on for thousands of years. And they're still trying to do the same old thing. And so once you figure out their symbols and the beings that are the head honchos over these large uh, organizations and whether it's the church or the finances, then you start to see their how they, I don't know, how they show themselves. Sometimes they do it through gloating and they actually want to show off that this is what they are. Yeah, revelation of the method. There's a lot yeah. of like in that. Yeah. And they're very heavy into sim symbolism, symbology. In my research, the the uh, Masonic checkerboard is representative of light and dark, like the duality, which is completely like the demiurgic system, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, right. Like that's everything like the realm of experience is light and dark because outside the realms of experience is like God, true God. And, you know, yeah. in my opinion, Um so yeah, I think that would be like a like a big thing for them. Yeah, and I think the more I've I mean, I had to do a lot a deep dive study with not only the Bible, but you know, Taoism and Tibetan Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta and friggin' yoga and um also what am I saying? The 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 Gnostic tractates in the Nag Hammadi library have a lot of information on this whole demiurge figure and it explains a lot of what we experience, um, but we didn't, we couldn't explain it or uh, articulate it until a lot of these materials didn't come out until like 1976 was the first English printing of the Nag Hammadi. So a lot of these things weren't yet translated or put in our language. But once I saw a lot of those tractates in the Nag Hammadi, which talked about some of the early Uri Christians and also the early ones, even in the Hebrew traditions, who knew about, you know, the archons and the whole system. So the system we're in is the black and white duality system, which some say that it's a type of inversion mirror reality that is really what I would call it, the lower pleroma of the demiurgic creation system. So right. this includes our stars and how we perceive reality with the 3D, this and that. And so there, there's an lower pleroma which is really the demiurgic creation system and then the upper pleroma that the gnostics figured out was above the i think the 13th aeon and above and we're like 12d and down and so there's a type of trap here in this reincarnation cycle system that they wanted to hide and enshroud through different religious traditions and then try to hide the people who were really awake and like figured this stuff out so um, I believe that a lot of the Gnostic stuff is true in terms of how they described the reality we're in. And and there, this is what bothers me. <laughs> and I, I find this out actually through Christians who 
if, if you're really connected, let's say to the, the real Jesus Christ and the real father in heaven of the eternal, all that is, that is nothing but benevolence. Mm-hmm. Um, they say it's necessary to have, you know, evil and good. We, we need it. And they try to justify the existence of a lower realm. That's actually an entrapment system. But I believe that there's a, quote, higher pleroma in the eternal realm that has nothing to do with how we perceive our consciousness in these avatar human bodies in this, quote, desire realm that the Buddhists will call it. Well, we're, we're in a desire realm. There's six realms of existence and only one has the ability to become enlightened and truly be free so that we don't have to keep getting recycled in this shit. <laughs> so I believe there's something to that, that um, if you want to realize your eternal nature many times people do this through a near-death experience um or an illness or some kind of divine intervention where it's not just a visitation by a divine being or an angel it's a direct realization of eternal nature that is above and beyond this lower pleroma and you know it when you know it and i believe that i believe that this is the grace of jesus christ to allow us to remember and realize and find a way out of this system because the the real who we are is not our personality construct and this limited consciousness in this world which is really a hologram from how i understand it with my own experience as well yeah so but there is true good that doesn't need evil with it and so it doesn't need to justify itself mm-hmm. so the people who think well, you know, you have to accept good and bad. You know, it's just the way it is. That's not the way it is. In the in the eternal realms of our true essence of eternal nature, that doesn't. That's not a problem. But the question is whether this is like a, some sort of school in order to get there. Which I don't. I've never liked that. It's never like really resonated with me. But do you think that it's like all a, a school, and this is part of our evolution to like like sort of a. I don't know, maybe like a purification of spirit in order to get to ascend. I, you know, I could say that there's a maturity that we need to have in order to realize more deeply and and become free from what we're in. And some of it may be, quote, karmic, but I think a lot of it is entrapment. That's that's not really karma. And this is um, what I've seen based on people who've reported to me their knowledge of being recycled by dark forces had nothing to do with the real quote god and the real higher self awareness so i don't don't think we're evolving i I don't think we're evolving i think that we're devolving because i remember my original nature and it's through a direct realization that was so powerful nothing could shake me from that that realization i'm not even going to call it knowledge i'm going to call it lucid deep deeply real realization of eternal nature that is free that is joyous that is above time and space and that is good and that is loving and that's not here and it's um i know it's true so i know there's something better <laughs> because that i remember it. yes that for sure um, but we're but we're given reality lifetime body experiences that actually shut off this original awareness of realization. And that's the problem of being in the bodies here in this system that our original memories and awareness has been so occluded or washed out so that we actually, I think we do need divine help 
um, to get out of here. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for the grace of faith in Jesus Christ, I may have not realized this so that at least I know what where I'm going after this incarnation. See him as a as a man, like the biblical figure, or do you see it as a consciousness? No, it was it was a pure, purely lucid consciousness of eternal beingness and absolute freedom on all levels, all dimensions, all times simultaneously, with a vastness and a deepness of consciousness that could barely be contained in a human body. And it could I couldn't contain it in my human body when I had this quote realization. I mean, it was like I was 23 years old, so it was a long time ago. But the way it happened, it made me feel like my body couldn't contain that level of uh, realization consciousness, that, that it would have made me have a heart attack. My, my nervous system, my, my body couldn't handle it. Mm. So, and I think a lot of our bodies are limited in to be able to emanate and realize that consciousness in us. I think that we need different forms <laughs> to live this lucidly. Um, and so that's what that's why it's so hard to know what the truth is in these in our human experience when we're dealing with you know gaslighters and you know liars and whatever. Like, gosh, it's hard to reconnect with that. But the whole thing with our freedom is getting lucid in a deep realization of eternal beingness that has full access to our own eternal spirit will. So Sometimes we don't know what that is in our small personalities. It would be like, you know, I didn't know what the will of God was until in hindsight, you know, 20 years later, now I realize that God was leading me through this in such a way that I was able to do what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's paradoxical. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of bullshit going on that makes people think that enables what I call enabling the predator uh, mind control. And that's what has been put in a lot of religious narratives. I have to tell you, yeah. because I get a lot of clients where like, oh, well, just forgive him. He can't help it. Or the bad relationship where there's like a friggin' demon host trying to mess with you and doesn't give a shit about you and won't stop doing what they're doing. So you don't want to enable those people in your life because right. they will continue doing what they do because of who they are. So it does take, you know, we call gray gray rock or um, not connecting with those who you know are not going to change at least right now mm -hmm. so i guess there are certain you know yogis and like people in history who had those supernatural abilities to know like what to do say or be with any one person based on where they're at to give them a boost of realization and there are some spiritual teachers of different traditions who can do this for their students. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure you know, I'm not saying yeah. any, anyone is the true one. But for me, Jesus Christ was the one that had the most power mm -hmm. of realization. But you don't think he incarnated as the, <clears throat> the the guy on the cross and all that? Well, I do. Really? Although it's um, but I'll have to say it doesn't matter to me what stories are told mm -hmm. what was revealed and realized by me was the most important thing to know to realize to know that there is truth in this figure no matter how they tried to hijack and corrupt it and turn it into this dogmatic freaking vatican catholic thing or whatever i know because i had a direct connect based on my absolute 
intention and purity of getting to that truth. And I, I was relentless. And it was like a three days and three nights of no sleep. Mm-hmm. And then on the third night at almost exactly midnight, it was revealed through me. Mm-hmm. And I had a very young age. A really so, important point there is that yeah, it's a, it the the purity and the sort of magnificent magnificence of that power or consciousness. Um, I you know I'm just I'm very weary of of organized religion because it's been so manipulated, and I've researched it quite a bit. And um, you know, not to offend anyone, but um, in in my research, I've found that they you know inserted themselves in a lot of the stories. Um, in order to, and, and I think it's re- really what organized religion is, is like a way for them to get worship energy because you could, yeah. you could see this with the Romans who actually like, you know, wrote a lot of the new Testament. They put themselves, the, the Flavians. Yeah. They put themselves in the stories. They match up with the events of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you can match them up with Titus Flavius. Um, and also, you, you know, you, of course you see it with like the past gods, you know, uh, Mithras and. You see it over and over again. It's typology, but typology started, I think, thousands of years ago. So by believing in these figures that they've manipulated and they've inserted into the, the texts, you are giving them your worship, right? So or that's why it's a form of consent also. Yeah. So that's why it's important for me. Like, you know, I don't want to offend anybody because they're like, you know, they believe what they believe. But um, it's I think it's important to to figure all that out, you know? I mean, because there's so many, um, what I've come to understand, and it's it's a constant discovery process, really. I'm not like yeah. all there. Um, yeah. But there's the thing about oaths and vows and consent, tacit consent of what we believe or vows or oaths or blood oaths taken even by our ancestors that could throw us under that authority unless we consciously say, no, I want to, you know, take myself off of this family curse and this oath, this blood oath that might have been done so that you're, you're, you're no longer consenting even tacitly to something that you don't want. And even in the New Testament, I think it was said, like, don't do any oaths or vows or pledges. You know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And we don't need, you don't need to do that because then they take authority over you, even with like the Catholic Church or um, like... I did bodhisattva vows like years ago, and then I wanted to renege on all that because I I I, <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, we're we're being re- endlessly recycled, and is it really uh, common sense or logic? Oh well, I guess I'll be a bodhisattva forever till every single sentient being becomes enlightened and free. Well, that's one way to entrap yourself in this shithole forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not so sure I believe that because. There's a type of passive enabling the predator programming in some of these um, religious systems. And that's what I saw. So as I woke up and I'm still in the process, right? I'm not perfectly lucid, but I'm, I'm being shown through my own perception, which is becoming more refined. Um, I'm shown things like the doorways in which a demon comes in, what egregore is it in charge of a particular church, or what's working through a certain person. And so I'm told in my own direct connect with God, as you call it, um, what's what's really going on. And it's, it's not popular. Being, like yeah. personally, you've had sightings yourself, did you say? I forget if you said. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had UFO sightings and UFO abductions. Or it, When I was really young, 
-hmm. but I'm still investigating because I know that there's qualities of trauma and dissociation that was present in my own experiences, like um, as an infant, as a four-year-old and as a six-year-old and throughout, yeah, my life. I think generally, you know, what what I've discovered is this this whole realm works off of thoughts and it's all like thought forms. <clears throat> and I think that there's something to the idea that like especially when it comes to like gray aliens and these sort of like beings that are found in what Steiner would call the eighth sphere, um I think they are essentially our aggregores, our thought forms, and that's why we have a sort of connection to like tra traumatic events when we see them that's why like the thing with zeph like really stuck out to me because like you know he immediately connected to that to that sexual abuse mm -hmm. um so your your attachments your your you know your negative thoughts and impulses are are sort of aggregated in, into this you know what you could call it hell the bardos whatever um i think that's what we have to face you know when when we if we have to cross the abyss as it were right yeah so. yeah um that's true i think the trauma recovery i think is the hardest part um especially if there are like occult forces like principalities and you know high level uh stuff then yeah. i just it takes deliverance and prayer and you know recovering the best way you know how from trauma like basically doing your own shadow work and taking responsibility to have harmony in your life and not letting in certain relationships or drug addictions or different things that we put in our bodies, which I won't have to talk about because you already know. Yeah. Alcohol is a big one. Yeah. yeah but the, the one in 2020, like certain things, I've had reports from people who were on um, different kinds of pharmaceuticals where they definitely felt they were disconnected from their spirit as a result of certain pharmaceuticals and things. And so, you know, being careful what we put in our bodies and what we believe and what we agree to can affect our ability to have discernment and connect with our spirit. Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I can't remember where we're going with that because I, I got caught off in a, a rant again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. Like, absolutely, what you put in your body, I think, matters. And I've I've heard that from different circles. Um, you know, like medication can, even if you want to call, if you believe in ascending or whatever, like they say, it can make it harder to ascend. Um, if you, you know, harder, not impossible, but um, I don't know. I've heard that in different in different ways, and I think it's absolutely. I think the the twenty twenty thing was uh for that purpose, and and maybe many others. Um. Do you think that there are good beings then and do they have a part to play in helping us out of this shit storm? I think so. Um, I mean, this is where oh God, like the dogmatic people would say, oh, they're all evil, right? You know, and they're all demons or whatever. But I've had encounters with benevolent, joyful beings who encountered more in the spiritual form to show me things and helped me um and who had nothing but benevolent joy and love and they they definitely exist and know the problems that are going on and are here to help mm -hmm. so but the ones that i've had i don't know if they were fully physical it was mostly um astral or uh, being communicated with in a dream or direct telepathic kind of thing so and, and angels that showed me and told me something and explained things to me that I thought about myself and I thought about humanity 
um, that explained things to me in spiritual, like spiritual mysteries that I found out later were, were spiritual mysteries. So they were confirmed to me. Um, so there are good beings. How do you discern between good and like the ones that are faking it? Is it hard? Obvious? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I feel like if I feel love and joy and, you know, like true loving, caring and, and calm, but the, it's like a joyfulness, a light joyfulness and love that comes through the good ones. And like a comforting angel had come to me one time when I was afraid for my life and I, and I, it was real. So I believe that they have joy and love and they can bring calm, calmness and like a caring calmness. Um, but there are some who are like indifferent and they just do what they do sometimes medically. But I think um, the deceitful ones, you're going to get a feel for them um, after a while. Like in uh, some of them, they're like a, some of the grays are more mechanical and only intellectual telepathy, but not a lot of heart love. And so it's just like a mind hack bullshit that they do. And, you know, the reptilians have their own signature and some of the, mantids and, and even like high level i've seen some high level ones that really surprised me and they and they didn't have a malevolent feel of uh wanting to harm me but they were arrogant and and were gloating about their power and wanted worship energy mm. but they didn't they didn't appear that they were harmful but i knew that they were false gods <laughs> so but you you're right about the whole egregore thing I think there's like a thought forms. If we have a lot of thought forms, it kind of builds into like a thought entity and kind of have its own life. And I think the same thing happens if there's groups of people who have um, certain intentions, even within like a corporation, for example, or a church, that there's egregores that are created by the thought forms of all the people who are the followers. And then it kind of creates like this entity itself. Yeah. So that that happens. And it's very true. And that's why they so, have the media on, you know, they have us stuck to the media because what we all believe collectively we create, right? So yeah. they have us creating this bullshit, I think, more than people realize. And if we all knew that and we all started taking control of our beliefs, I think we'd plow right through their bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, or or something. I think I sometimes wonder if there's a, a period of time where maybe it is like some of the prophecy fulfillment that up until a certain time, these ones are allowed to do what they do. Because mm -hmm. I believe that the predation and harm being done is above and beyond most people's ability to defend based on what I know of having been abused as a child. Like, you know, what three-year-old has the intelligence of an adult male and the strength to fight off a perpetrator? Um, do they need help? Yeah. yeah. And many of us need help from something that we don't realize that we have the full power to defeat or to become free from. So not that I want to encourage victimization, but I think there's some people who think, you know, they could do it all by positive thinking. And, you know, if they just become a good enough light worker and bodhisattva. But I learned that that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah. it, I think it takes a higher power. And that's what I've learned that, you know, 
you have to be humble to a higher power that's greater than our human logic avatar personality and this extreme limitation of consciousness you know i mean i know it's limited because what i know that is really real mm-hmm. how, how can i say it so i think we need god or we need the higher powers and that's part of our i don't know if it's our lesson here but it would be like um if someone's got an addiction they don't have they can't control it let's say you know they, they got an alcohol problem at some point they got it okay i'm you know i'm an alcoholic or whatever it is and i need help and i'm going to go into a 12-step program or i don't know all the answers i don't have the power to change this i thought i could do it all on my own but a lot of times we can't we really do need a higher power or or a mentor who's much wiser than we are yeah yeah we're good parent yeah yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. So go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, I think we're all like individual kind of, um, you know, parts of, of whatever that that uh, that consciousness is, you know, the ultimate consciousness. And um, so we have that power if we know how to harness it, I think, together as well. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully there are others on our side and um they can help us out because it is, I definitely call bullshit on, <laughs> on a lot of the crap that goes on here. And I think that we're, it's not really fair. <laughs> uh, right. It's not fair. Um, and I think I just have to reiterate what I realized to be like crucial in my recovery of um, discernment, even like, you know, what's truly good, what's truly evil. Am I being deceived spiritually? Um, I found that my perception was compromised by unrecovered trauma. And a lot of it was um, demonic curses from a family line thing, like a Freemason, high level Freemason thing. So I learned that I, that I really couldn't do it alone. And I really needed a higher power to help me get through these things that to, to try can do it all alone brings a kind of spiritual arrogance. So People, I think, who really have the it <laughs> and the real power, they tend to be humble and loving and not always logical in the way that they work with people. Like uh, I read about Maharishi from India, like he died in 1973 and someone said, well, go read that book, you know, and I like to read books about saints and yogis and people who create inspiration of spiritual goodness mm-hmm. and and what are the commonalities of these people who really actually have true supernatural power working through them? And, and it's as if, like you said, we really had a deeper connection of connecting with the, some people call it the higher self. I call it with God, the Holy spirit, Christ. When you're in that connected beingness, it gives a greater lucidity to be, I don't want to say used as a vessel, but to be used as that flow of consciousness through you for yeah. the greatest for any one person that you're in, interacting with, with the wisdom of God behind you, knowing exactly what someone needs at that moment. And then being that for that person. And yeah. it, it appears, it may appear crazy and contradictory to people who don't understand what some really good spiritual, spiritually gifted people are doing. And in it, there, there appears to be contradictions. And so this is where we have to rely on more than the five senses or our left brain knowledge acquisition to 
perceive and act through that greater benevolent flow. And so that's what I try to do with my clients. And it, it may seem paradoxical if I said something on one radio interview two years ago, and then today it'd be like, but you said this, that contradicts what you said. So sometimes um, it appears that way. Let's just put it that way. Well, but when you're really, growing, right? Yeah. And I think we, we work to resolve our own traumas and grow along the way, but there's also uh, what I've felt and Christians say, well, yeah, when the Holy Spirit comes through you, sometimes all of a sudden it's just in you and it tells you to pray for a certain person or imbues you with something that you know you need to do for a certain person or for a certain something. That's not like your normal personality and it's not like being taken over, but it is it is a flowing that is in the greatest good. If that's your intention and you're able to do it, it's actually you, you be it. It's all God. It's not you. You know what I mean? So humility has to be present for that to really work, if you ask me. 100%. Yeah, staying connected to your heart. And I think that's why Jesus was always represented with that, the big, the heart thing. You know what I mean? Stay, yeah. <laughs> heart, stay connected with your spirit. All right, Eve. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming by. It's been a great chat. Um, please let people know where they can buy your books and follow your work. Yeah, in fact... You can still order my book, Hard Copy, The Love Bite. Just go directly to me on my website. That's evelorgan.com. And I have a thing on books. And, and then there's a thing on my website where you could send me a message. And then it's also Amazon. And then The Dark Side of Cupid is Amazon and Hard Copy. Get the hard copy through me because I don't have control of the Amazon through my publisher. And that's another story I don't want to go into, but go direct through me or Amazon for dark Cupid. Yeah. And, um, or the, what do you call ebook version through Amazon for the love bite also, but I have a telegram group that's called alien love bite and I just do postings. It's not like a full chat one, but, um, there is a alien love bite Facebook group that you can chat on, but I'm not on all the time cause I'm really busy, but I try to make it so that people can get in touch with me through the Facebook group, the Telegram group, or my email. So hope to get my bases covered that way. Awesome. Yeah, check out those books and, and all that material. That's uh that sounds exciting. Thanks Thank again, you. Eve. And I hope uh hope we can reconnect sometime and, and I'm sure there's more we can cover. <laughs> Thanks so. Thank you so much for being open and just hearing me rant. Ah, that was my rant. <laughs> great, great entertainment.